0: The Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Dr. Steve Wood with me today. Bill Kanaski. Bill, how you're, you're looking tired. You're looking a little fatigued.
1: I'm, I'm still half asleep. And then I spoke for about seven hours <clears throat> yesterday to a mongoose. And I always lose my voice at about three o'clock. But it was cold, cold as hell across the country this week. And they were pumping the, you know, the heat in the room and, you know, that dry air. So uh, yeah. my voice is shot. Uh, my flight was delayed. I didn't get back until late. And, uh,
0: and yeah, here feel you like, are.
1: I, I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible. But, you know, we've got a podcast to do and we have a great audience. So I'm going to I'm going to tough through it. Uh, how are how are you doing on your end?
0: Good. Like I said, cold here and we're surviving, you know, cold for Texas weather. But
1: yeah. I looked, yeah, I looked at up North. They have no sympathy for us up North. No, so. no, no, they don't. Okay. Uh, today's topic is actually a very serious topic and I just dealt with it this week. Um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now everybody thinks they know what this is. Um, there's many different levels to PTSD and I think it's obvious, you know, that PTSD uh, became a diagnosis Um it's not a new diagnosis, but it's relatively new compared, you know, when you look at medicines and and psychology um, is that, um, you know, people coming back, you know, from, uh, from, from, from war, uh, you know, we're having, we're having various symptoms that were lasting that were really impacting their lives, impacting them mentally and physically. (laughs) And uh, I think war is probably the most, uh, you know, bullets flying over your head and mortar rounds going off right next to you. Uh, you could see how that could that that could have a s- severe psychological impact. <clears throat> um, however, there are other things in life that can cause uh, PTSD, and I'm seeing this uh, in, in in witnesses, and it's not I wouldn't say it's frequent, <clears throat> but it's out there. It's definitely out there. And you and I do a lot of uh, work in the transportation industry, and um, I've been dealing uh, with several cases where I'm you know. Helping train a uh, a truck driver uh, for deposition, and um, I'm seeing it a lot. Uh, a, so in other words, post accident PTSD. Now, my I've had family members and friends have PTSD post auto accident. Um, I was in a terrible accident about 25 years ago, and car rolled over and caught on fire. I mean, that's the kind of thing that sticks with you, Steve, right? And y- you know, you see some of the carnage from some of these trucking accidents from the dash cam video, which we have to talk about how that can um, ignite uh, PTSD symptoms uh, by watching that. Uh, But this is something uh, which is really serious. And I think defense counsel needs to um, be having that on the radar for any case. It could happen in MedMal, right? Uh, You're a physician or you're a nurse, you know, your patient codes, Right. Or you have a very difficult, say, birthing case and mom dies during birth. Well, that's going to stick with you as the doctor and nurse and can certainly cause PTSD. And again, there's different levels of it. Uh, what, what's been your experience with you know, working with witnesses that still like maybe months and months has gone by, sometimes even a year. And you're you're doing your witness training with them. But you can tell the emotions are, are still raw and it's affecting how they're, uh, how they're thinking and how they're responding to things.
0: Yeah, when, when, I, when I see that or I, you know, I sense that, I typically just kind of stop the training and more or less just spend time yeah. talking with them. And getting it's a therapy a sense.
1: session at that point.
0: Exactly. And getting a sense for what their thoughts are, what's still holding, you know, what yeah. are they still dealing with? What are the things that, that are still causing them issues? And rather than continuing with the, the training, just focusing on that. Because yeah, to your point, it happens across a bunch of different yeah. case types, and you'd think there's certain ones, but we've we've seen it across multiple different ones on multiple different occasions.
1: Yeah, and um, like you said, so it happened to me this week where, you know, and we typically don't meet the witnesses until we, you know, until we get in front of them. And uh, I was working with the truck driver, and it was very clear what was going on. And the first half a day, I mean, from nine till noon, we. I purposely cuz you know I'm 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 driving I'm driving the machine uh, you know and the attorneys we we had a plan and we didn't even much less talk about the case for the first morning because this driver had the vent this driver's going through all kinds of stuff now it's from the the accident which what which, which was like over a year ago but I could I could tell you this And I told the attorneys during the break, I'm like, we can't just jump into this case, we're going to make this witness worse. And then on top of that, which we have to talk about at the end of this podcast, he was getting no treatment whatsoever. No psychological treatment. So let's go to the beginning. And I think what I want to do here is give defense counsel kind of like a little checklist some questions to ask your witness uh, if they're in one of these situations that there's a lot of emotion involved. So you kind of know what you're dealing with. So, yeah, I'm kind of inviting you to be an armchair psychologist here, at least they'll give you some sort of kind of screening process. Um, and then if you need help, uh, you know, somebody like you and I can certainly uh, <clears throat> jump in on that. So let's go kind of go through this checklist of things that may tip you off defense counsel um you know that, that that your witness may have some ptsd symptoms or even they may qualify for the for the diagnosis um the first one is um intrusive memories and thoughts now i think this is pretty common steve uh so you know you sit down with your witness and what's happening with your witness and, and you don't know this is that throughout the day even before they got there every day these negative thoughts about, say, the accident, right? Or the incident are popping into their brain uncontrollably. They're very distracting. Uh they cause emotions, um, you know, to go up. And then every time, and then every time, this is funny, right? So they work really hard to try to keep those thoughts out. And then defense counsel sends them an email. And what happens? Boom, it's back in their mind. Yeah. Everything, you come, cra- it's like crawling up that hill, right? You're crawling up that hill and then you slip and brrr, you're right back down to where you started. That's what happens uh, with the emotions and what you're putting your witness through. And you have to be aware of that. Um, so yeah, so these intrusive thoughts and memories, uh, you need to ask your witness about this well before witness prep. Um, I'd be, a- I'd be talking to them early on in a case and let's go through kind of you know this check here here so um you know reoccur this is right from the you know dsm you know and unwanted distressing memories of the event. you have to you have to ask them these questions you know how often do you think about this right how often are you thinking about this and when you think about it you know, is it affecting your functioning is it affecting um, your concentration, your attention? Mm-hmm. Are you breaking down and crying? See how often they're thinking about it. And if you have a witness that is thinking about the event every day, you've got yourself a problem, right, Steve? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, there's no way they're going to be able to concentrate um, on preparing for deposition, much less that. And they're going to need uh, treatment. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, flashbacks. Uh, now, flashbacks, um, it's almost like a, you know, having a nightmare, but being awake, you know, that's another thing that can happen uh, where the uh, your witness is kind of re-experiencing the event and they're going to go through all of the psychological and physical manifestations uh, of, of the event. And um, that happens in these cases. I think it often happens. I've heard several drivers uh, Truck drivers or other folks in transportation uh, have flashbacks, and there's things that can trigger those flashbacks. Mm. Kind of like uh, like so, this one witness I was working with this week, he's like, "I don't drive on the interstate anymore. I'm t- I I I can't because it triggers that event. So if I have to go someplace, I take all the back roads. I mean, just the I want to make this clear, just the sight of a tractor trailer or being on in, in, in a similar environment um, can trigger uh, these emotions. And then uh, again, it's kind of like you're, you're right, you're right back where you started. So you see these, you know, severe um, emotional and physical reactions um, that can be triggered. And, you know, if the witness is not getting any treatment for this, I mean, Steve, you know, this all too. I mean, stuff like this just doesn't go away with time right no and and that's always one of the
0: things too that people say well give it some time and you'll get over it or yeah it's it's been it's been a year why are you why are you still not over it yet but there's things that people just don't get over
1: yeah because it it because what it i mean it really uh these events um really um essentially short circuit your brain and then your brain forms different you know Uh, neurocognitive uh, neurophysiological connections and then you're on a you know i mean you're just on a hair trigger you're just on a hair trigger um and so these things uh so your witness just by okay i say just by talking to your witness about the case can you know get all these physical and psychological symptoms you know fired up again but think about this if it's a transportation case Maybe the drive to your law firm, (laughs) you know, right? So one thing that maybe you can do, depending on where your witness is asked, is to say, hey, how about we come to you, right? We can sit at your living room table, assuming there's no distractions, or we can get something, you know, maybe uh, an office closer to your home where you're not gonna have to get in the interstate uh, and get into an environment in which you're not, you know, you're not, you know, triggering triggering these types of uh these types of symptoms now i'm not a big fan of doing any type of witness prep or training outside of a litigation legal environment because i think the witness needs to be prepared for that because that's typically where they're going to be deposed but steve i I think you would agree i I think this is an exception to the rule right
0: yeah i mean i don't think i don't think you're going to have it too often where this happens. So to your point, I think it's going to be an exception to the rule. But I think if it if the situation dictates it and it needs it, yeah, I think I would be open to doing it as well. Because at the end of the day, if your if your witness is traumatized or their your witness is going to be re-traumatized or be dealing with issues like that, they're not going to be prepared for deposition in the first yeah. place. And you can't proceed going forward. So yeah. I would I would say you you'd need to set aside that and move forward. And I think that's one of the things I th- hopefully that this comes across is a lot of times these are things that don't necessarily get thought about by defense yeah. counsel in some instances, and that we're basically uh-huh. saying is sometimes you have to set aside the case facts, you have to set aside kind of what your yeah. plans are of moving forward and, and address the first things first.
1: Yeah, And if they're not getting treatment, your progress is going to be really slow. Yeah, So getting again, we'll talk about this at the end, treatment is going to be the key. To get your witness where they need to be for the deposition boy you gotta be sensitive to these to these issues now most truck driver preps that you and i do right typically a day or two yeah for the, for the most part this one that i just yeah i was just working on we we got together after the witness left and we this is going to take six full days six full days to get this witness ready because the process has to be slowed down to meet the psychological needs of this witness and so now yeah does that does that triple the cost it does it does but this is an important case it's severe uh injuries in this case and we're trying to avoid a nuclear verdict steve so yeah and so if the insurance company is gonna be like well that's ridiculous to have to take okay well ins- okay insurance people listen to this podcast i mean you may, you ask your defense counsel, right? I bet you don't do this insurance claim specialist, ask your defense counsel, how's our witness doing psychologically? How are they doing emotionally? And stop with the, why are you taking so long to prep them? Why? I t- I'll tell you why uh, insurance claim specialists, because we don't want a nuclear verdict. That's Why? The insurance people love me steve they do yeah. email me they do email and, and a lot of them do love me. a couple of them give me an attitude but but that's a fact right yeah and well i don't want to pay for six days of witness okay well <laughs> when this deposition goes south and the value of the case triples i mean that's that that that's a lot more money let's keep going down this list so another thing to look for are uh negative kind of negative uh changes in thinking and 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 mood so when you're talking to your witness right um what is their mood like right are they down are they in the dumps and that's kind of one end of the spectrum that kind of depressive end of the spectrum and this stuff is you have to be a phd psychologist to figure this stuff out and the other end is that uh they're wound up really tight they got that anxiety fearfulness um to do a little assessment of that, ask them how they're doing, but then they really get into their thought patterns. Okay. Cause their thoughts can get and you and I just published a paper on this, right? Yep. Cognitive distortions. And one of them can be that, you know, they have hopelessness about the future. They have very negative thoughts about the world, this whole, well, you know, why did this happen to me? I, you know, the, the universe is against me. That's my favorite because when, <laughs> when things suck in my life, I just go blaming the universe. Um, but, um, you know, maybe it's affecting, um, you know, it has a, impacts on memory. You know, trauma has impacts on memory. And that's a big part of deposition. And so, again, back to this story from this week, um, this, this, this driver I was working with, Steve, he was so upset when he couldn't remember something. And beating himself up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because <laughs> I was, because I was like, it's okay. <laughs> like, if you don't remember something, I mean, I think a normal witness feels bad when they don't remember something. Yeah. But people that have experienced trauma, I think that can that can escalate.
0: Yeah, and I think there's this expectation that somehow our minds are like tape recorders or video recorders, and that yeah. when things happen, we can remember everything piece by piece by piece. And I think that obviously that's not true. So and especially in traumatic instances where you're going to have more of spotty instances where you may remember bits and pieces. And I think that's more actually appropriate than if you had it memorized down to the minute and the second. I'd actually be very surprised and suspect of whether or not you're you're telling the truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the good thing is by the by the end of the first two days, uh, we were doing we were dabbling in some odd questioning and he was able to say, you know, I don't remember right right I do know something and he wasn't feeling as bad about it but he here's what he would do right so he would we would do the mock question and he would say I don't remember right and then we'd keep going and the moment we took a break he'd be like doing one of these like god I feel terrible that I don't it's like stop with it yeah. so he was able to pull it off in the Q&A but still felt bad about it. so again that the work you have to put in with these folks that have been through significant trauma like an accident right this is going to take time this may triple the amount of time but you know if if you're in the business of trying to get cases resolved or you're going to try to get a win that is what it that's what it takes well i think um, one yeah. other
0: thing bill i wanted to mention on that i think that taking the time is another thing about i mean at the end of the day we have to understand that these witnesses are people and that if if you're taking the time to show that you're you're spending time with them to get them prepared to understand the psychological issues that they're going with. I mean, yeah. the witness is going to appreciate that. The last thing you want to do is, is blow past all of that and have exactly. the witness feel like you you don't care about them. You care more about protecting your company and your and your client.
1: Yeah. Uh defense counsel, you make a lot of mistakes here, right? I mean, that's the and we've been we've been preaching this forever. You know, you you start off every one of these conversations, phone calls. How are you doing? How are you? Tell me about you. Do not talk about the case. Stop it. Gosh, going to make them worse. Uh, Another area, Steve, to kind of dig around in. And you may have to do this with every time you talk to the witness, just because things are going to change. You know, I talk, you know, how are your relationships? You know, are you married? Do you have a significant other? Do you have kids? What's your social life like? And, and, and see are they distancing themselves and isolating themselves to stay away from everybody, right? Or are they able to, um, you know, use their family and social support and they're doing things and they're, they're really uh, leaning on people. Um, Steve, I, I've had some witnesses that, you know, they lock themselves in a dark room and they don't they don't want to talk to anybody because they feel so bad and then you know that's not that, that's not going to help uh, anything so one of the things i do is i ask them about that and i do encourage them i ask them like who is your social support right who do you talk to who can you lean on but again at the end of the day if there's no treatment for this stuff it could take years steve and sometimes never to get over this shit so um On that too, Bill. I I did want to, you know, when you're talking about treatment, I think the treatment becomes important
0: as well, because you need someone to be able to talk to because how many times I can even think of a few times we've worked with witnesses Mm -hmm. where they have essentially wore their spouses out or their close friends out because their spouse is like, really are we still talking about this can can you just shut up and move on because now all of a sudden you've almost burdened the other person because you're talking about it too much which they don't mean to do but they're trying to work creates a new set of
1: problems yeah creates a new set of problems so um as part of that treatment the spouse may need to be involved or or a family member that that's that that's a great point i also ask him like what are you doing for fun like you gotta have some fun Right. So this particular driver is like, I love to go on walks with my dog. Hey, hey awesome. Right. Or you like to, you know, watch sports on TV. Keep doing the encouraged, you know, encourage doing those things. Um, I, I think is really important. Versus, again, if you go sit in a dark room for eight hours, uh, it's not going to help. It's not going to help anything. So, so these are some of the questions you should be asking your witnesses well before you're talking about this case. And you should be getting updates on how they're doing and you want you want to see some progress and if it's getting worse you need to adjust accordingly i mean with defense counsel is not aware and again it's not your fault defense counsel but you can make your witness substantially worse by the way that you're communicating with them okay so let's kind of avoid that i think you have to also ask them Um, and then kind of assess this in person again, are they on the hair trigger type of reaction? (laughs) So this, again, back to this story from this week, this case study, um, he said, uh, so we're going to do some mock questioning on day two, uh, and kind of, you know, bite-sized chunks. And we talked about, you know, Hey, don't get upset. Don't get angry when you get challenged, right. Don't get upset when the, Attorney, you know, rolls their eyes at you, right? And he's like, So you don't want me to be combative? I go, Exactly. I go, That's not going to help. And of course, you know, 30 minutes later, he's screaming answers back. <laughs> and I said, Okay, time out. And I looked at him I'm like, Remember, we just, I like, don't be combative. And he, I swear to God, he looks right at me. He's like, I'm not being combative. I'm like, Yes. Okay, hold on. Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. He's like, I'm not being combative. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you are being combative. and so you know you have to you have to assess them are they on that hair trigger because a witness like this remember they're emotionally vulnerable and if a plaintiff attorney turns up the heat right which is a common kind of common maneuver this this witness will likely fly off the handle pretty quickly so they're going to have to get that extra work in to be desensitized and work on some emotional control things and again you and I can do that with this witness It's going to take some time it with now without treatment, we can still do it. I mean, I'm a psychologist. You're a psychologist. I mean, we can still do it. Yeah. It's just for them to be getting weekly treatment from a licensed healthcare professional uh, and behavioral, you know, psychological specialist is going to expedite their recovery. So it's a, it's a really good idea. Uh, the problem is you know, nobody wants psych help still right. nobody wants it it's like a especially with a truck driver right, right. Tough, You know, tough guy thing yeah so that 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 can also be um be a challenge you have to ask the difficult question steve meaning yeah and you start and you can start lightly with hey are you having trouble so i asked this guy yeah how's your sleep quality he's like it sucks i'm like yeah exactly right and when people don't sleep They turn into lunatics. I'm a lunatic when I don't sleep. Well, you get somebody that hasn't slept in six months, right? Their quality of sleep sucks. They're not going to be able to think. They're not going to be able to concentrate. It exacerbates all these other symptoms. (laughs) And uh, you got to ask about that. And again, that's where the treatment can come in. Either psychiatric treatment, because they may need some medication to settle them down and to get some sleep. But they they must have, because again, pills don't solve problems, Steve. Right. They know, but it's important to maybe get your physiological, right? Neurophysiologically, you may, may need to settle down and get some balance and some stability. That's where the meds come in, but they're going to have to process what happened. And that's where the therapy part comes in. They're going to need both. And again, if people aren't sleeping, it's actually, that's probably the top thing I ask a witness. How, describe to me your sleep quality. And when they say it stinks, that that tells me a lot because it throws off their concentration. They fatigue faster. These are very very vulnerable witnesses. So look into that. And then the difficult question. I think you have to ratchet that up. Is you have to say, you could start with, you know, are, are you exercising, right? And how's your diet? But you got to work up to the the obvious. The obvious. Yeah. You know, are 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 you, know, are you hitting the sauce hard? Okay. Have you? I mean, think about these questions, Steve. Think about what our society has been through with the opioid thing. Are 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 you taking any pills? Are you hitting the wacky weed? Right? What? Come on, just be honest with us. You know, you got attorney-client privilege and confidentiality. Steve, these are really really tough questions to ask. But I tell you what, if your witness is secretly behind your back to get through this, they're 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 hitting the sauce, right? they're hitting the ganja they're 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 popping pain pills this is not going to end well is it
0: no <clears throat> no it's not and i think that goes back to the key and we've been harping on too about building a rapport so that they feel comfortable telling you that because they could be but they don't want to tell you especially if we come in and they first time they're meeting us second time they're meeting us now all of a yeah. sudden they're gonna just say yeah i've been you know pounding a fifth of jack every, yeah. every day i mean it's it's you need to work, like to your point, you need to work up to it, but it's an important piece of information to try to pull out of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, finally, last kind of last checklist here. So I'm going to complicate this issue. So again, this particular driver I worked with, he was injured in the accident and he has a significant uh, uh, knee injury. So, so not only do we have all the PTSD stuff that you checked every box for, now he's got, so he's going to physical therapy, he's got physical pain. He's dealing with. So that's another. And by the way, this is really important, defense counselor, to talk to your witnesses, regardless of their psychological functioning. You'd be shocked how many, by the way, Steve, in medicine, the number one patient complaint is what? Pain, pain, pain. Everybody's got it in one way, shape, or form. Some people have some chronic injuries, some people have some cute things going on. Pain, Okay, completely disrupts cognition, disrupts attention, concentration. People can't think straight and they give shitty answers in their deposition or the trial testimony. You need to ask your witnesses, not particularly if they have PTSD and then it's combined with pain. Again, that's going to multiply everything. But it's important. Sometimes your witness, Steve, may just be suffering from kind of chronic lower back pain and they want to tough it out and they don't want to take that break. Can you talk a little bit about how an, uh, an uncomfortable witness is not going to be a good witness if if they're experiencing pain and they're kind of hiding it because they they don't want to appear weak?
0: Yeah, the problem though is now they're splitting their cognition and yeah. and their you know their their thought process to both worrying about the pain, worrying about hiding the pain, but then also yeah. trying to attend to the question, and it's never going to turn out well because we know how that goes when when you're splitting your attention. In, in listening with one ear open and, and starting to think and process, you're going to get bad answers almost all the time.
1: Yeah, you got it. Um, so let's end this podcast with treatment. Um, there's a huge barrier to psychological um, intervention in this country. There always has been. I think it's getting better recently, particularly post COVID. Uh, Cause so many of us lost our minds. Uh, and now you have, if you've noticed, which by the way, this was supposed to happen 20, when I was in graduate school, one of my professors is like, you know, Bill said, like, we are going to do online therapy and it's going to change the world. That, that was in, that was in 1999, 2000. Well, if finally, I mean, it's 2000, it, it took 25 years. As um, a shame, it took 25 years, but now you have like better help. You see, I mean, half the podcasts I listen to are sponsored by mental health, yeah. online therapy. I mean, therapy is at your fingertips. So the access to it is amazing. And uh, regardless of where you live or where you go. Um, and so I think it's very important to, again, you have to ask the question to your witness is, hey, d- do you need help? Or I think you need help. And either get them, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Um, if are still an employee of the company, you can, oftentimes they can go through workman's comp or go through HR that can handle everything. Okay. If they're a former employee, employee and they have health insurance, right. They can go to their primary care provider and, and get a referral or if none of that, you know, they can, you know, they can get online and, you know, and, and register, um, you know, to get some mental health, uh, help. But with PTSD, it's gotta be every week, sometimes even twice a week um because all those really tough feelings need to be need to be uh processed and i can promise you it's not going away you can run but you can't hide yeah. right steve i mean yeah. you, we talked about what happened you know so so again back to this and we decided not to do this because it was my call the attorney looked at me during one of the breaks on day two and said should we play the dash cam video and i was like f no <laughs> f no we're not playing the, no 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 I, I i've done all this work over this day and a half to get this person we're not going to roll back down the hill and, and cause a panic attack he's not ready for the video he's not ready and that video uh, and there's a couple different ways to handle this um bite-sized pieces you can't okay so if you're dealing with somebody that has a traumatic emotional right response to something, right? Dash cam video is pretty brutal. yeah, brutal, right? And say it's five minutes long. You don't just you know click on the link and hit play and just sit there with your witness, right, and let them re-experience the trauma. Stupid happens all the time. I've uh, well, on this uh, this uh, uh, I can't talk about that case, but a very, very bad case that the entire thing's on video. we were we, we I went through. And took like 20 still shots of the video, right? Remember, systematic desensitization. Systematic, meaning you're starting the dose very small and kind of gradually. And I just showed still frames of the accident just to introduce it. So, you know, you know, neuropsychologically, they're not going to flip out on me, right? Imagine if I just would have showed the whole video, that would be a huge mistake, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like you said, rolling back down the hill, and he, and I guess the question I'd have on that too, though, is, is what are your thoughts is, and I don't know what happened in this situation is if you had the truck driver say, no, I, I want to see it, I'm prepared to see it." The question is, do you do it then?
1: here's the thing. If they're not and now, if they, this is where it gets really, really complicated. and and what, and I can help make this call if I'm on the litigation team. Even though I don't have a patient provider relationship with the, with the witness, I still have a psychological relationship with them. And I have the background and training and skill set to deal with this stuff. But if you don't, if you don't have me or whatever, I think it's one of those things where you have to say, because you can't talk to the therapist if You're right. the attorney, really, right? You need So you need to go to the witness and say, tell your therapist, this is our plan. We're going to have to get to this point because the plan is going to show you the video right and have the therapist come up with a plan on getting that witness ready for that moment okay and then hey hey, what did your therapist say my therapist said to you know it's going to take a couple. okay and then you wait a couple weeks because here's the thing as defense counsel you can completely torpedo your case by exposing them to negative stimuli that is going to take them right back where they started and they'll be emotionally devastated and they will never be a good witness. Agreed. So I think that's that, that, that's definitely a tough thing though. That needs to be thought about, right? Cause you think yeah.
0: what's the big deal. They're going to see it from plaintiff's counsel anyway. So let's just go ahead and show it to them now, but I don't
1: think it's that easy. Yeah. And so now if the witness, again, this is the key witness says, Hey, cause, and by the way, I've been down this road before. And sometimes it's okay and it's necessary and it works. Everybody's wired differently, Steve. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, your wife, my wife, your friends, our colleagues, people handle trauma different, right? Now, me personally, hey, I've been through trauma. You've been through trauma. I'm a very, let's rip this Band-Aid off now. Yeah. It's gonna suck. It's gonna hurt. That's just the way I am. Other people are like, oh, no, let's just, go inch by inch i'd rather have a little pain at a time than all at once right and so i think you need to be really careful with that decision when do i play the whole video right i mean i, I think you need to be really careful with that and make the right call um in fact okay and, and listen we're reasonable people if you're a defense counsel you have a situation like this listen if you if you call me or email hey i gotta talk to you for 10 minutes i don't know what to do B- call steve or i We'll tell you what to do. Give us a breakdown of what's going on and we'll make suggestions. We're not going to charge you, okay? You're not, you, may be, but may, you may be buying me a case of liquid death, I'll tell you that, but we're not going to charge you. But just call and say, hey, what do I do here? Where am I going to screw this up? Because here's the thing, you, and we'll end on this now, Steve, you as defense counsel can inadvertently and unknowingly torpedo your case and just crush your witness- <laughs> because you're trying to prepare for deposition and you're just taking the wrong route. So call us with questions on this. I think that was a good, good segue and good way
0: to wrap up this podcast. PTSD, very important topic. I'm glad we talked about it. See it all the time with witnesses and we definitely want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the case, right thing for the witness and all of the people that are involved. So good topic. Thanks, Bill. This has been another edition of the litigation psychology podcast brought to you by courtroom sciences.